Okay, good morning, church. Happy New Year. Uh, if I didn't see you uh, last week, well, Happy New Year to each and every single one of you. Uh, uh, I'm so glad to be worshiping with you. Uh, again, if you're new, uh, my name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I do have the privilege of giving God's word today. Um, uh, really quickly, uh, youth students, as you know, I see this every single week. Uh, this is just as much your church as it is your parents' church, so welcome here. Uh, one quick announcement for the youth students. Um, we have planned a retreat at the beginning of February, so February 3rd to 5th. So if you're a youth, uh, if you're a youth student parent, please mark off those dates. Even if your child goes to next ministries across the street, uh, we encourage you to sign up for this because um, it'll just be a good way for them to get to know other youth students in our church. And so please sign up for that. Tyler has planned an amazing weekend for them uh, to really not only worship Jesus, but also to really connect with each other and grow in fellowship with other believers who are their, uh, their age. Uh, and so please consider signing uh, up for that, uh, as well as just marking off those dates, February 3rd uh, to fifth uh, secondly just before we dive into God's word just wanted to double down on alpha uh, alpha is kind of designed for two things one is uh, especially if you call yourself a Christian in here it's two things one is uh, if you have serious doubts as a Christian and you have serious like issues with the faith uh, I would highly encourage you to come out it's a great place to just talk about your doubts to not feel judged about them uh, to come out and to, to freely explore Christianity in that way uh, but secondly it's designed uh, for you Christians to really use as an evangelistic tool I think one of the questions that I get a lot is hey uh you know, hey, Eric, how do I share my faith with other people who don't know Jesus? And, um, you know, a lot of times I think Christians feel like I don't have enough knowledge or I don't have enough um, um, yeah, knowledge of the Bible or the scriptures. And so what Alpha is meant for you to do is to simply say, maybe you're having a conversation with your friend or family member who doesn't know Jesus. And they're asking you all these questions. And all you, can, all you simply have to say is this, hey, there's a course called Alpha. Why don't you come with me? That's it. And then it's all your, all your answers, uh, all the questions are answered there, okay? So you just say, hey, why don't you come with me to this course? Now, the, the caveat is you have to go with, okay? You can't just send them, okay? You got to accompany th with them because, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough going into a church or into any community all alone. So you want to accompany, uh, uh, be kind of their guide as they go through this class. But please consider utilizing this as an evangelistic tool uh, as well as just for your own personal lives if you have serious doubts about the faith. Hey, well, last week we started a sermon series called The Greatest Sermon Series Ever. And again, this is not uh, an egomania kind of uh, a sermon title. It's, it's really because it's based on the greatest sermon ever preached in the history of the world, which is the Sermon on the Mount. And it was given to us in Matthew chapter 5 and 7. And uh, we're going to be building off of last week's sermon. So if you have not listened to it, please go ahead uh, and, and go and listen to week one. You can find that on podcast or on YouTube. But just to briefly recap, in week one, we said that our church's vision or our theme for this year is, uh, is greater faith. And we're not only expecting God to give us more faith this year, but we're also expecting that God will challenge us in our faith this year. And when God challenges us in our faith, that's actually when our faith begins to grow. It's when we begin to take steps out into that water, into that murky water, and really begin trusting God with all of our hearts, minds, and souls. And so we're studying the Sermon on the Mount because the Sermon on the Mount can be summed up in these two verses here from 1 Corinthians, okay? Listen to what Paul says. He says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 19, he says, For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, what you're going to see is that Jesus is going to say a bunch of things that appear to be foolish. Right? He's going to say things that are like, what? What are you saying, Jesus? Like, this seems kind of foolishness. And yet Jesus is saying, hey, I know it looks like foolishness, but just trust me. Just trust me for a moment, obey me, listen to my commands, and see what I do in your life. 
And this is why we believe that the Sermon on the Mount is going to train our souls to have radical obedience and radical trust in Him, actually growing our faith and allowing us to have greater faith in Him. And if you think back to the Genesis 3 story, right, the first time that humanity ever sins, this is what it's all about. Right? Adam and Eve, in, in essence, are given a command by God that seems foolish. He says, hey, there's one tree in the middle of the garden. Don't eat it. Don't eat the fruit from it. And you're like, Wait, all of the trees I can eat except for this one? That seems like foolishness, God. Why, why not? And there in the midst of that garden is the first time where Satan comes to them and says, do you really trust him? Do you really believe him? Do you really acknowledge that he's Lord and Savior? Do you really trust him? And, and it's there in the garden where they don't trust him and they sin and they go their own way. And so last week we studied the first two verses and the last five verses. And today now we'll, we'll jump into the actual sermon that Jesus gives. And he starts it off with the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are very famous. And so we'll study this today. So if you have your Bibles open, you can open them to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 3 to 12. And if you're able to now, would you rise as we read God's word uh, together. Uh, I'm going to read this for us. I'm going to um, uh, uh, say this is the word of the Lord. If you could respond with thanks be to God. I'll pray for us and then I'll seat you after the reading of God's word. So let me go ahead and read this for us. Matthew chapter 5, uh, 3 to 12. This is the reading of God's word. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Let me go ahead and pray for us and then I'll seat you. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for these words. Lord Jesus, would you help us to understand them? Would you help us to internalize them, apply them, and to live them out, Lord? Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. Would you be here with us now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. If you're taking notes, you can uh, write these three points down as I normally do. The first point is called explaining the Beatitudes. So we'll talk a little bit about what they are. And we'll talk about them from a bird's eye view. We won't necessarily go and study them into specifics, but we'll look at it from a bird's eye view. And then we'll talk about applying the Beatitudes to our lives. And then finally, we'll look at Jesus, who is ultimately the Beatitudes as a whole. So let me begin with the truth today, a truth about men's fashion, okay? Um, and uh, here, here's the truth, okay? We live as men in a post-skinny jean society. We live in a post-skinny jean society. And what I mean by this is if you look at the young folks, as these college students and uh, a little bit older than college, uh, they're all moving back towards baggy pants. They're all baggy jeans now. And, uh, I, but I still remember the first time that I saw skinny jeans. Uh, it was actually on Pastor Kenny. Uh, I remember... <laughs> Uh, I, I, we were up at the Korean ministry side. This is when we were in college. Um, and I think we were, I think I was playing basketball or a bunch of us were playing basketball. And Pastor Kenny at the time was very emo. He loved like gothic stuff. And so he had long hair, spiky. And, uh, and you know, a bunch of us were playing basketball. And he walks in with his guitar and lo and behold, skinny jeans. And I, by the way, I asked if I could use this illustration with him. But um, he walks in with these skinny jeans. And I'd never seen jeans so tight on a man. I mean, they, from, from the upper thigh down to the calf to the ankles, it was just caressing his whole leg all the way down. 
And I remember just being floored, like, what is this? And actually, the basketball game stopped. Uh, everyone stopped. They just looked at it. They were like, what are you doing right now? And they were all making fun of him. And lo and behold, right, all of those people who made fun of him later on probably wore skinny jeans at some point, you know, because it became so popular. And for the next decade, uh, a lot of men wore skinny jeans. And I say this because, again, we live in a post-skinny jean society. And if you look at young folks today, they wear, they wear baggy jeans. They, and it doesn't, it doesn't shock us anymore to see somebody wearing skinny jeans. But it doesn't shock. It doesn't have that scandal anymore because we've lived through it. And in a similar way, we live in a post-Christian society. Right? We, we've had, Christianity has, has had its heyday here. And the shock and awe of Christianity doesn't kind of hit us anymore because we've lived through it, because we've seen it. Uh, we're familiar with it, in other words. And, and when we come to the Beatitudes here, uh, you know, Jesus' Beatitudes were actually quite shocking to the initial world. They were so scandalous and and over the next point what I want to try to do is I want to try to show you why these words were so scandalous why was it so shocking to hear Jesus talk about these Beatitudes and so I'll give you some information uh, and it'll be a, a, a bunch of information but I hope that you would follow along so that ultimately there might be some payoff at the end but uh, but here's really the question right the question here with the Beatitudes as we read it is very similar to week one's question right which is this uh, is Jesus being serious or is he using hyperbole? Is, does Jesus want us to, in other words, do these as virtues? Like when we read the Beatitudes, does he want us to become poor in spirit? Does he want us to go and get persecuted? Does he want us to go ahead and mourn? Must we do these things in order to be blessed? Is that what Jesus is saying? Now, in order to answer this question, we must answer first this question. Who is Jesus talking to? Who is he talking to? Who is his congregation? Now, if you don't know, uh, we've been a part of, a, uh, I've been kind of secretly giving you a secret sermon series, okay? If you've been a part of our church for the last year, we've been actually going through the Gospel of Matthew unbeknownst to you, okay? Because we've never declared it that way. We've just, uh, if you remember last year, Advent, we went through uh, the birth narrative in Matthew. And then in the new year, we went through the, the baptisms. And then in the new year, we went through the temptations of Christ all through Matthew. And so we've been going through the book of Matthew. And we're, again, we're going through the book of Matthew here. Uh, but in Matthew, the, the one part that we skipped over was the ending of Matthew chapter 4 but if you look at the ending of chapter 4 who is Jesus ministering to here look at what it says who he's ministering to in Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 to 25 and he went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people so his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And then look at verse 25, and great crowds followed him. Great crowds followed him. Now look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 1, okay? Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. This is how he starts the Sermon on the Mount, seeing the crowds. So who are these crowds? They're people who have diseases, people who have just been healed, paralytics the poor the oppressed the marginalized this is who he's speaking to and you have to remember how these ancient people saw the sick and the oppressed the marginalized folks okay in John chapter 9 if you remember there's a story of Jesus walking along and Jesus is walking with this with his disciples and they see a man who's been born blind from birth and look at what his disciples say and this is the culture at that time okay and in, in John chapter 9 verses 1 he says this as he passed by he saw a blind man from birth and look at what the disciples say in verse 2 okay and his disciples asked him rabbi 
who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind in other words what they believed back then was that if you were uh, blind if you were paralyzed if you had some sickness if you were poor if you were oppressed it's because God cursed you it's because you were absolutely cursed by God God had abandoned you because you sinned your parents sinned. somebody along the line sinned. therefore you deserve this punishment and you see what Jesus is saying to these people who have been cursed by God their entire life. Who have been told by society, you're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed. Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're blessed. You're blessed by God. Blessed are you. Now, let, let's move on. Let's hold on to that thought because we're going to come back to it in a moment, okay? These blessing statements are, are, are not uh, uh, scandalous in any way, okay? Rabbis in Jesus' day would do this quite frequently. In fact, every rabbi would have their blessing statements. Um, and where they're getting this from is really from the Psalms in the Old Testament. If you read the Psalms in the Old Testament, uh, they say things like this in Psalm 1, right? Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Or in Psalm 32, it says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So the rabbis picked up on this and they would do this repeatedly. And every rabbi had their blessing statements. In fact, there was a rabbi who lived 150 years before Jesus Christ. And guess what his name was? His name was Jesus. And in fact, his name was Jesus Ben Sira, and he had his blessing statements. And listen to his blessing statements, okay? Very, very similar in, its, in, its, uh, in, in the methodology, but very different in its content, okay? Look at what uh, Jesus Ben Sira says. He says, I can think of nine whom I would call blessed and a tenth whom my tongue proclaims. Blessed is the man who delights in his children and the one who lives to see the downfall of his enemies. When I read that, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. I could see how somebody is blessed. You like your children. Some people, they don't like their children. <laughs> they don't like living with their kids, right? But blessed is the person who actually likes their kids, right? Blessed is the one who uh, sees the downfall of their enemies, right? They can get revenge or they see somebody else getting revenge on their enemies and they can see the downfall. I can see how that's a blessed life. He says, blessed is the one who lives with a sensible wife and the one who does not plow with ox and, and donkey together. Okay, that, that word is, is actually donkey. But, um, but, but what he's saying is this, right? He's saying blessed is a person who has a good spouse. Right? Blessed is the one who has a spouse that kind of agrees with them in terms of their faith and, and they run alongside together. Right? He's saying that. He says, blessed is the one who does not sin with the tongue and the one who does not serve an inferior. So he's saying, look, blessed is a person who's really good with their words. And blessed is a person who doesn't have to serve somebody who's beneath them. But, 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 but they can always be the one that's on, on top. I can see how that's a blessed life. I could see that. Blessed are the one who finds a friend and the one who speaks to an attentive audience. I can see how that's a blessed life. How great is the one who finds wisdom, but without equal is the one who fears the Lord. These blessing statements seem sensical to us, don't they? And then here comes Jesus, right? Here comes Jesus. He, like all the other rabbis, he has these blessing statements and he flips them upside down. And instead of saying like, blessed are the people who, who can get revenge. Blessed are the people who have lots of uh, children, who, who love their children, right? Blessed are the, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, he's saying this, blessed, blessed are the people who cannot pay their bills. Blessed are the people who are about to lose their jobs. Blessed are the people who are about to foreclose on their, on their homes because they cannot pay their mortgage. Blessed are those kinds of people. And you're like, what? That does not make any sense, Jesus. That seems like foolishness. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you if you lost something, a loved one, a job, if you're mourning the loss of a pet or if you're, you know, blessed are you if you come from a lot of sin and shame and guilt and you're mourning over that and you're repenting over it. He says, blessed are you. And you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. That seems like foolishness, Jesus. 
Blessed are those of you who are meek. Blessed are you if, in other words, if you have nothing to offer the world. Right? You're not a CEO. You're not charismatic. You don't have a bold personality. You're like, you have nothing really to offer the world. He says, blessed are you. Blessed are you if you experience injustice and you take it on the cheek and instead of being powerful and taking matters into your own hands and surrendering, you have mercy on them. Blessed are you if you're pure in heart, meaning blessed are the ones who don't deviate from the path. Even though, you know, it's calling on your life to cheat, steal, lie so that you can get ahead, you stay pure in heart. Blessed are you. Blessed are those who make peace with their enemies. Blessed are those of you who are killed and beaten and kicked out because of your faith and are persecuted for it. Blessed are you. This was absolutely revolutionary and insane what Jesus is saying here. He's flipping everything upside down. In his kingdom, everything is upside down. And so let's, let's put back together everything that I'm saying and let's answer this question, right? Are these virtues that Jesus wants us, uh, us to live up to? Are these virtues that Jesus wants us, uh, wants us to live up to? And here's what Jesus is actually saying. My, my, one of my seminary professors, a, a guy by the name of Glenn Stassen, puts it like this. This word makirios, which is the word for blessed, can be translated blessed. It can be translated happy. But more uh, frequently, it should be translated congratulations. Congratulations, you're poor. Congratulations, you're mourning. Congratulations, you're meek. Congratulations, you're a peacemaker. Congratulations, he's saying. Why? Because the people that he's talking to are already living this lifestyle. And he's saying, don't worry, God has not abandoned you. In fact, you are the most blessed of all. Look at what Stanley Hauerwas, he's a theologian. Look at what he says about the, 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 the Beatitudes. He says this, and this is a great sort of uh, concluding statement to all of what I've been saying here. He says, too often these characteristics of the Beatitudes have in Christian history been turned into ideals or virtues we must strive to attain. When we do that, we turn them into formulas that help us gain status and favor with God. So in other words, he's saying like we're trying to earn our salvation at that point. But he's saying that, that's not. He says this is, of course, precisely the opposite of what Jesus is trying to say. Right? The porn spirit, in fact, that porn spirit word is, is all about you not being able to reach God because you're so poor in spirit. Rather, they are descriptions of the kinds of people to whom Jesus, in fact, first brought the kingdom of God. Nowhere does Jesus tell us that we should try to be poor in spirit, mourn all of the time, or try to get yourself persecuted. He simply announces the great surprise that these people who are not significant or honored in their society are precisely the ones who have received the honor to be first among those called in God's kingdom. In other words, the, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Let's move on to our second point, applying the Beatitudes. Now let's, let's ask this question, why are these blessings? Right, Jesus is not just like some great optimist who's like, okay, like, I know you're going through a tough time, but just like, like, just like grin through it and be like, okay, like, yeah, this is a blessing. Like, he's not saying that because he says mourn. He says to mourn. Jesus is not saying be a blind optimist and just like try to like paint these things lovely. He's actually giving us a way to see the world. Listen to what Glenn Stassen, my, my Christian ethics professor says. He, sa he wrote a book called Kingdom Ethics. Listen to what he says here. He says, is this a passage about human effort to live up to high ideals? Is it urging us to become poor, prisoners, blind, and victims so that God will reward us? Or is it a passage of celebration because God is acting graciously to deliver us from our poverty and captivity into God's reign of deliverance, justice, and joy? So let me put it like this, okay? Jesus is saying congratulations to these people, and he's saying blessed are you because God is closest to you. 
God is the most present with you. Psalm 34, 18 puts it like this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Um, when I was in college, uh, I remember uh, there was a time where, uh, you know, we'd always, the college students would always look forward to retreats. You know, I don't know if you guys grew up in church. So for some of you who grew up in church, you might, you might know what I'm talking about, right? Where you look forward to these retreats because you know at the retreats you're going to encounter God. In fact, as a college pastor, I think I went to three or four retreats that were called encounter because of the last night of the retreat, right? Last night of the retreat, the preacher gets up there, preaches a fire sermon. All the kids are like, oh, God. Like, and then they're like, God, I pray. You know, they're praying. They're weeping. They're mourning. They're like celebrating, right? They, they, they shout. They jump up and down, right? They're like, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. Why? Because they've encountered God. And that's why we look forward to those retreats because we're going to encounter God. And Jesus is saying this, blessed are you because you're going to, you're about to encounter God. Yes, look, look, this calamity has happened to you. These things have happened to you. But guess what? You're going to experience God to its fullness. You're going to know what the kingdom means to its fullest now. You're going to experience the blessing of God's presence over and over again because of your life situation right now. So don't you worry. Don't look at it as a curse. God is closest to you right now and he's blessing you in fact. I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent, but I'll swing back around to this idea of God's presence. But I think the saddest picture in my mind, and I think a lot of us would agree with this, is of a child sitting alone with mountains of toys, gadgets, things thrown at them, education, opportunities, tutors, and yet no parents. Isn't that such a sad image? In other words, let me put it like this, right? This child has access to everything in the world. They have access to tutors, toys, games, video games, uh, babysitters, right? They have access to everything in the world except for their parents. Except for their parents. That is the saddest picture in the world. But, in, but flip, flip that around. The sweetest picture of a child who has nothing but has the love of their family, has the love of their brothers and their sisters and their parents and their parents are there for them. Their presence is with them, guiding them, disciplining them, showing them, shepherding them, walking with them. This to me is the sweetest picture. Even though they don't have anything on planet earth, even though they have access to nothing, they have the presence of their parents. You know, personally for me, this has been becoming more and more real in my own personal life. I, I've been realizing that I need to give my kids my presence. And so recently we've been playing lots of games in the no household we uh we have three games that we're playing right now one of them uh, is called thanos where i dress up as thanos and my kids literally dress up in their halloween costumes as spider-man and iron man and then they fight me okay um this the, the second game that we play is uh, hide and seek I'll, I'll go and hide and we'll, they'll go find me and then the third game that we play is called cuddle okay and this is my favorite game because we we jump into my bed and we basically go under our blankets and like we we bring flashlights and we pretend like underneath the blankets are like an undersea exploration and so sometimes i'll i'll like bring out a squid and the squid will attack my kids and tickle them and things like that and it's just a lot of fun and even here at church right like i've been making it a point that when i'm out there of course like i, I want to be attentive to all the newcomers and stuff but when my kids come up to me one of the things that i've been trying to do my best about is to not neglect them in that moment that yes, of course, the church has access to me here, but so do they. That they have access to me because I'm their father and I want them to have access to me. And here's my point with all of this. The real blessing is not material. The real blessing in life is not material. The real blessing in life is a relationship. It's the presence of your heavenly father. 
And Jesus is saying, even though you lose the world, guess what you're going to gain? You're going to gain the encountering of your heavenly father in the most realest way possible. And so blessed are you. I want to address a few folks here. First are the ones who feel cursed by God. If you are here and you feel cursed by God, the ones who have lost their jobs, to the ones who are struggling to find your identity, to the ones who are filled with shame and guilt, to the ones who feel like you don't belong, to the ones who feel like you're outsiders, to the ones who you don't fit the mold that society has given to you, and you despair, and you feel like you're cursed, your Heavenly Father is close. In fact, the inside of his kingdom consists of people like yourself is what he's saying. And blessed are you. Don't scorn him. Lean into him. Pray to him. Seek his comfort. Seek his presence more than ever now because he's closest to you. To the second people that I want to address is to the one who these things do not apply to. In other words, to the one who says, I'm rich and I have everything. To the one who says, I'm on the inside. To the one who is popular. To the ones who are filled with pride because of their lives. To the ones who fit the mold of everything society has ever asked you to ever fulfill. To the ones who are on the inside of the world. To you I say, keep pursuing God. Keep pursuing God with all of your hearts, minds, and souls. And what this means is first this, right? We go out. We go out from these comforts of being inside, being the popular ones. And we go outside and we grab those on the outsides. Because they are the blessed ones, not us, right? They're the blessed ones. So we go and we get them. We go and get the ones who are outside on the, on the edges of society. And we go get them and we bring them inside. This is exactly what happened to the children. Do you remember? Uh, Jesus is preaching and these little children come to him who are the marginalized and the most outside in society. And the disciples are like, hey, get away from Jesus. He doesn't want you here. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. These are the ones who the kingdom of God belongs to. Come, bring them to me. And if you're on the inside... If this church is your home, New Life Fellowship is your home, and you have friends here, you have comfort here, and there's a lot of familiarity here, then go outside and go grab those who are not a part of the centers and go make them the center now. Go bring them in. Be hospitable. Go talk to other people. Go share with them. Go bring them into the centers. And to just keep pursuing God because here's the reality. That if you continuously pursue God with all of your hearts, minds, souls, and strength, you might... Your chances of finding yourself in this kind of position will rise up a little bit, if that makes sense. In other words, if you keep pursuing God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, don't be surprised if one day you find yourself being a little bit poorer than you, you would have been, right? Because you're giving your stuff away. Right? Don't, don't, don't be surprised when you find yourself being persecuted. Don't, don't, be, don't, you know, don't be surprised when you find yourself mourning again and again because you've lost things for Jesus Christ. Jesus will put it like this later in the Sermon on the Mount in verse 19 of chapter 6. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. And I love this book and I've mentioned it many times. But uh, it's about a senior demon named uh, Screwtape who's teaching a junior demon named Wormwood. And so he's writing these letters to Wormwood, essentially training him on how to be a better demon. And of course it's fictional, but it's meant to talk about how does temptation happen? How does Satan try to draw us away from God? And I want you to listen to what he says here to Wormwood. He says, the long, dull, monotonous years 
of middle-aged prosperity or middle-aged adversity are excellent campaigning weather. Do you hear that? The long, dull, monotonous years of middle-aged prosperity or middle-aged adversity are excellent campaigning weather. You see it. You see, it is so hard for these creatures to persevere. If on the other hand, the middle years prove prosperous, our position is even stronger. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. His increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing and agreeable work build up in him a sense of being really at home in earth, which is just what we want. Don't let the material things of this world blind you to what really matters, and that is your relationship with Christ. See, here's what I think Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes as well. Not only is he blessing those who are on the margins, but Jesus is also saying, if you make me the center of your lives and you pursue me with all of your hearts, minds, and souls, and strengths, friends, you have found everything in this world. You have everything. You don't need anything else. You just need me. And friends, don't lose sight of the real treasure, the presence of God himself. This leads us to our third and final point, Jesus, the Beatitude. Look, what Jesus is ultimately trying to do is he's trying to give us a new way to look at the world. He's giving us a new vision. He's giving you a new pair of eyeglasses, if you would. And he's showing you that the things that seem blessed in this world are actually not that blessed. But the things that are seemingly curses in this life are actually blessings in this life. He's trying to flip everything upside down because in his kingdom, it is upside down. And so I remember like just thinking, okay, what does the blessed or happy life look to you? What does the good life look to you, in other words? What do you value? Because everyone has a vision of this, of what they value. And so I, I went to Twitter and I typed in hashtag the good life to see like what people would post. And this is what I found. I saw a video of someone running and showing the route as they were running. Hashtag the good life, right? They were staying in physical shape and having a good body. That's, that's definitely a good life. For some reason, I saw a lot of chickens. I don't know why. There was a Twitter user named by the floof lady. And she posted lots of pictures of her chickens. And she said that she would always hashtag it the good life. There was a video of a guy doing a selfie and his mouth, uh, in his mouth was a joint uh, and he was clearly smoking marijuana and he hashtagged the good life. There was an image of a cigar and two glasses of whiskey and behind it, you know, hashtag the good life. With an image, you know, there was an image of money and it said, it, there was a quote, uh, you know, in front of this image of money, if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you, you will work until you die, hashtag the good life. There was a picture of someone on a date with their significant other, a picture of a vacation they recently went on, a picture of a golf course. And Jesus is saying, sure, I get it, I get it. But let me show you a different way of looking at the world. The good life looks like somebody who's weeping and mourning. The good life looks like somebody who's making peace in the world. The good life looks like somebody who's hunger and thirst for righteousness. It looks like somebody who's poor in spirit. It looks like somebody who's being beaten and persecuted. This is what the good life looks like, friends. And you see, on the cross, Jesus was all of these things. He was poor. He was oppressed. He was persecuted. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was mourning. He was meek. He was a peaceful and a peacemaker. Do you remember? He stopped a war from happening. Right? Peter comes out and he cuts off the guy's ear. And Jesus goes and he heals the guy's ear. He was peacemaking in that moment. He hungers and he thirsts for righteousness. And on the cross, he was merciful. Do you remember the guy who was like, hey, like you could take yourself down here. If you're truly God, take yourself down here and show us your God. And God was like, Jesus was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be merciful to you right now. 
Jesus is the Beatitudes and on the cross as he was bleeding dying poor naked and destitute he was revealing to us that this was his seat of glory that this was glory he had flipped it on its head victory in that time looked like a general walking into their city into their capital with all of their captors behind them with slaves behind them and yet Jesus says no 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 I'm gonna be the slave I'm gonna die for you and it was in this moment that he showed us that victory looks like the God of the universe dying on a cross and ultimately why because he wanted to give us the greatest gift of all he didn't want to give us material possessions but he wanted to give us himself do you see that Jesus Christ's divine body was not broken so that he could give you stuff wealth and riches status and fame his body was pierced so that he could give you the father access to the father he came to restore your relationship to, to the father so that his presence could be here with us why would Jesus die on a cross to give you material things that rust and moth and dust could destroy when he could give you the presence of the father himself and yet do you know what we do with the gift of the presence of God Jesus gifted this to us and yet do you know what he does you know what we do I mean we throw it away we literally take his body we take his blood and we just say ah forget about it now ah, just put it in the trash can I don't ah, I don't need that rubies and diamonds woo fame oh I want that you know I remember when I was uh, uh, in in youth ministry I, I became the president of our youth group and I was so proud I was like yeah I'm the president and I was like, I wanted to do every, like some nice things for all the youth students. It was a very small ministry. It was about 15 students. And so I wrote cards to each of, every single one of them. And I wrote them cards and I passed them out to them on a Sunday. And some of the students were like, oh, thank you. And some of the students were like too cool for school. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. But there was this one girl, way too cool for school. She took my card. She looked at it. And then she walked away. And then she threw it in the trash can right in front of me. And uh, I was so heartbroken. I was like, Ugh. I was like, oh my why do I feel like tears are coming up into my eyes? Why does my face feel like it's tightening? I wanted to cry. My youth pastor was there. And, you know, this was back in the 90s. And so, you know, you could, you could do some crazier things back then. And the, he started yelling at the girl. He's like, how dare you throw that away? Do you know how hard Eric worked on that? And you threw it away in the trash can. I remember what he said. He said, he said you could have at least thrown it away at home. <laughs> like while he wasn't looking. But you had to throw it away right in front of him. I think this is what we do to God. We take his body, we take his blood spilled for us on a cross. He's trying to restore us to the Father, bring, give us his presence. And we say, ah, it's okay, just throw it away in the trash. I don't need it. This was God's body and his blood shed for you because he is a good father and he wants to actually be with you. Look, last week I challenged the church to this, right? Like just one third Okay, one third of the Saturdays between now and Easter, if you could come out to our prayer service on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Just to spend some time with other people in prayer, but also with the Lord. And I just want to challenge you to that once again. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray for our own, uh, the people in our lives. Let's, let's spend some time in prayer. But also in your personal lives, I want to challenge you again in this new year. Man, let's not like trash the greatest gift that God has ever given to us, the blessing that God has given to us. 
which is that you and I were outsiders. We did not deserve the love of Christ. We did not deserve any of these things. We were sinners. We were enemies of God. And yet he brought us from the outsides to the inside. And he said, I want to give you myself. Let's not throw that away, friends. God is everywhere. He sees it all. And he sees when we throw away his gift. Friends, I want to encourage you. Let's not neglect him. Let's lean into him. Let's trust him. Let's obey him. Let's have faith, friends. That he knows what he's talking about. Let's trust him with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that it's hard, Lord. It's hard to train our bodies and train our minds and our souls, Lord, to worship you and to spend time with you, Lord. So, Lord, we first ask for forgiveness, Lord. We ask for forgiveness. Would you wash us clean again, Lord? Would you wash us and make us whole once again, Lord? We're so thankful that you're a merciful God, that you're not a God who is quick to condemn, but, Lord, you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to understand this. Lord, at the same time, we ask, Lord, and we pray that you would give us the strength and the motivation, Lord, to be with you, to take advantage of the greatest gift you've given to us, which is you. Not the things of this world, but you, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, for this time. Lord, we thank you for this place. We pray that this year would be a year, Lord, where we know you more and more with greater faith and intimacy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, at this time, if you would rise as we worship the Lord together. Uh, youth students, you're at this time now dismissed to youth, uh, youth ministry so you can exit out. Uh, also, at the same time, we're going to have a prayer station on that side of the room and on that side of the room. So I'll, I'll be there uh, as well. If you'd like to receive prayer, if there's things that are on your heart that are related to the sermon, unrelated to the sermon, just things that you're dealing with right now, please come up for prayer. We'd love to pray for you. But at this time, let's worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.